Alrighty, welcome back to the Foxhole. Fox trading in a Foxhole, Season 6, Episode 14, Number 174 overall. Your faithful host, Kid Harlan, here for another weekly distillation of what the hell is going on in the world of sports and sun. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com. Mixler for the tunes. Shout out to the folks at Rode and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation for folks like myself globally. Want to be on the podcast or sponsor it? You know, ftinfx at gmail.com and all that other good stuff. Alrighty, I told you I'd get back to you real quick trying to like normalize our schedule for dropping podcasts as we had a rough patch there, you know, not feeling that great from a physical standpoint and had to like wait until later in the week to drop these. But now I'm hoping that with football back in place and just the way things align that, you know, you'll start seeing this stuff either Thursday night or Friday night. We'll see how well we keep up with it. So if you want to be on the podcast, plenty of spots available, trying to get as many things going on outside of what I normally do. These things take time, and people have to have time for that sort of thing. All right, enough of the yayas. Let's get to some open face. You know, Mr. O'Neill, and we're talking the big diesel, the big Barishnikov. <laughs> yeah, what MDE as he once called himself, which you know, he was pretty dominant. So we might. Have to like give him that. The guy has all of his commercials and everything else. You would think all the attention he gets, that would be enough. But no, he has to keep his rap career going. And I haven't listened to this yet, but apparently he teamed up with Three Locos, I believe is the name of the group for the rap album. And it begs the question is this too much shock, or should we just say, okay, dude, he's living his best life, whatever? Well, I think, as always, it, the truth somewhere lies in between. I mean, hey, if someone's going to let you get studio time, heavens knows he can afford it. Oh, well, enjoy your best life. But, yeah, being overexposed of Mr. O'Neill and basketball season still to come. So, anyways, even though we haven't done the COVID Chronicles in a while, something to keep an eye on. As we move into the fall season, people coming back to school, people coming back from vacation, they've been traveling everywhere. As we've been talking about, you know, subtly, you know, the numbers are tracking way up, have been all summer. You know, all kinds of people who've gotten it, you know, are seeing to be on the verge of getting it. So you always have to be careful. But I noticed that down there in Southern California, there have been some high school games canceled, which is kind of weird because. It's not a forfeit. So I'm not sure they're doing things by percentage when we get to the end of the year, especially if these games can't be made up. And given how compact things already are, I would have a feeling making these games up and then having playoffs on a miserable timetable. But the bigger picture, as I said, you know, last week, I wonder, you know, all of these things going on as I'm watching the U.S. Open the semifinal with Akarez. Medvedev going at it. Any of these competitions can be affected right now. 
you know, especially when the stakes being higher, you know, right? Can you imagine, you know, what kind of chaos it could create in college and NFL if we have a major outbreak? I don't see that happening given the amount of immunities people do have now and you know, a lot of people being vaccinated. But it's still possible because obviously if you're canceling high school games in California, you know, something we we'll could be keeping an eye on for sure. I can't envision the COVID Chronicles segment returning, but nonetheless, the specter of that terrible virus still is always in the backdrop somewhere, as many people said long ago, like when we first started this podcast. It ain't going anywhere. Okay. What is this whole thing with Diana Rossini all of a sudden? I saw her getting some love on Colin the other day. I guess, you know, she left ESPN to start writing for The Atlantic. And it was big to do about Peter King kind of, you know, publishing her salary and kind of making a big deal about it. Then trying to kind of walk it back. And I thought, especially because it got some traction in like awful announcing, Deadspin, Outkick, and a few other of those, you know, places that provide all kinds of wonderful information from things that don't happen on the field. And I thought, is this a molehill or a total WTF ado, but do we even care situation? Yeah, you know, she's cool. I mean, I got no no problems with her, with her work at ESPN, now up the Atlantic. And I'm just wondering about Peter King. You got too much time on your hands or what? As far as kind of like trying to like, you know, bring up that she's making a lot of money. You know what? We don't care when Pat McAfee gets the big bag or Stephen A. So why should you make a big deal? Yeah, you know, she's not as big of a name as those folks. But obviously, the Atlantic can still write fat checks. And she gladly said, yeah, I'll take that bag. So I think lay off of her and let girl do her thing and live her best life is what I say. You know, I mean, case in point with Mina Kimes. She just got the big bag. I think, you know, signed a $2 million deal. And people kind of saying, well, why is she getting that much money? Well... People like her over there. I mean, yes, some of the people that ESPN let go and they're still handing out these fat salaries, it raises your eyebrows. But nonetheless, we didn't complain when McAfee and Stephen A got their bag, right? And some of the other clowns, you know, that have gotten paid. I think it's kind of interesting about Rachel Nichols kind of dropping more tidbits about her controversial firing. But nonetheless... This is the, the people who ESPN rolls with. Mina's got a big following on Twitter. You know, she speaks pretty eloquently and has some insight, you know, from the analytical perspective. I think sometimes when she wanders away from her wheelhouse, you, you have to sit there and go, really? But hey, she's well-versed, you know, and well-rounded. So more power to her getting paid as well. Simple as that, folks. You know, the, the, if people are going to give you the big bag, fantastic. Another thing that was interesting that came up this week, how about HBO give, you know, and Real Sports with Brian Gumbel coming to an end after almost three decades? Now, something I haven't really watched in recent years, and quite frankly, was kind of surprised it was still on the air after all of this time. 
Well, you know, props for a great career that him and his brother have had three decades. As you know, Will Bond kind of pointed out that he was kind of an inspiration to him back in the day. I always kind of thought he was an arrogant prick myself, but nonetheless, you know, he's kind of an icon. And, you know, give him credit for saying, hey, I've, I've chosen the right time to exit the stage. And after three decades worth of providing sports content, more power to you, my man. I know, it's kind of harsh to say he's a prick. Eh, you know, that arrogant thing, but whatever. All right. We're a little, feel a little bit feisty here. Uh, you know, I mentioned last week about this whole Disney charter episode that's going on. And, you know, it's really kind of interesting the more and more you think about it. Because, as, mo as many insiders are pointing out, this may be the entering salvo of folks like ESPN, FS1, and, and TNT creating their own platforms and just saying, yo, you want to get us? Stream. You know, it's it's going to be interesting if all of these entities break away and some Comcast and DirecTV, especially DirecTV, because I think with Comcast providing, you know, high-speed internet, they'll have something. But, they, you know, they have the bundles with all the stuff put together. It might be a little bit more difficult if these streaming packages can be competitive, but, you know, let's face it, they're going to try to gouge us there, too. But you can definitely see, and this has been going on for a couple of years, as I brought up last week, the whole thing with being sports a few years ago and how you got to search long and high to find that. So, yeah, it, it's uh, interesting times that we're living in once again in terms of our ability to access content at reasonable prices. Who loses is always the consumer. Speaking of big money, you know, I was just looking, you know, looking for bullet points for Open Face this week. I came across, you know, the World Poker Tour World Championships, you know, World Series of Poker, Vegas, Binions, how they used to have all the money out in front. You know, it was one thing when, you know, you'd see, you know, the million dollars of, right, and the display, you know, all those nice Benjamins. Now they're talking this year's edition, like I said, of the World Poker Tour World Championships, a $40 million prize. So, no one's going to even argue or question at this point about the business of sport, but it just tells you even something like poker where you can have a $40 million prize. Now, I'm not sure if that's how it's going to be distributed on the winners or does the winner take it all. You know, the article I was reading didn't specify it, but still, that's a lot of cheddar. Okay. What else is going on at Open Face? This doesn't come to me as any surprise. And this, you know, I, was, I heard Justin Herbert actually making some comments about this, but Netflix and Peyton Manning have their quarterback show that had, like, you know, Mahomes and Marcus Mariota, you know, so-so reviews. But what is interesting is they are struggling finding people to participate for season two. And it was kind of like Justin Herbert said, hey, you know, I want to focus on getting a ring and not being a distraction and having things for people to nitpick at. And I think other quarterbacks are kind of seeing the same. And, you know, 
the hard knocks thing, especially with the Jets, that's a whole other thing. But I know, like, my team, the Commanders, they've resisted for many years, and many other teams have, have done this as well. I can see quarterbacks, especially the kind of money they make and the, the, the intense scrutiny they already face, well, they don't need this kind of stuff. You know, it sounded like a novel idea for season one. But quarterbacks are looking around the room and they're like going, nah, I think I'll pass. Okay. How about Mort leaving ESPN for 33 seasons hanging it up? Chris Mortensen, you know, a insider who's provided all kinds of great reporting, great data provided, you know, seems like a stand-up guy all around, but walking away from ESPN for 33 seasons as the revolving door continues as far as ESPN coming up with a whole different look, you know, as we move in the future. And a lot of the faces that we that we grew up and have grown accustomed to are slowly fading away. I was thinking about that the other night. I was watching Linda Cohn going, geez, how long is it going to be before they tell you to hit the brakes? But hey, Mort, we'll give you some props for 33 years of telling it like it is. Okay, now for the weird department. How about A-Raj claiming he saw a UFO back in the day? Well, I was going to ignore this. Then I gave it some thought. Like, he did go to Berkeley and... You know Berkeley and the People's Park and the amount of psychedelics and, of course, his, you know, Ayusha and all this other stuff. Maybe A-Rod's been hitting, you know, the, <laughs> the five-way window pane a lot longer than I even knew because this definitely sounds like he was on some psychedelic adventure when he saw a UFO. Oh, this is going to be an interesting ride with him in Gotham. You know, because I'm sure he's just screwing with people as he always does. But hey, you know what? We tend to talk about it, and that's why he does what he does. Looking forward to seeing his real debut on Sunday. We'll talk about that a little bit later. All right, that's Open Face. We'll be back with the high view when we come back. Alrighty, welcome back to the Foxhole, season six, episode 14, 174. Overall, faithful host Ken Harlan here on a lovely Friday afternoon in the huge. It's like 77 degrees right now. Sun's out. There's, we're getting ready for a big weekend of college football. You know, locally, with the Ducks going to Lubbock and the Beeves. Opening up the the new look Reeser Stadium. Yeah, you see Davis. Anyway, get our homies together, go grab ourselves a couple of ciders, call up our Uber, race down to Eugene Airport, breeze through TSA, and hop aboard the Gulfstream 650. 
so we can take the high view of our campuses of America. So we had week one last week. A lot happened. We talked a little bit about it. But, you know, the first thing I would say was we look high above or look down from high above the campuses of America. How about Mac Brown just being all irate about this Tez Walker situation? So if you don't know or haven't been watching ESPN, Tess Walker was one of these people, two-time transfer in the NCAA, as we've spoke many times before, trying to crack down on that, was his appeal for another year of eligibility was denied. And Matt Brown coming out saying, you know, the NCAA is against the student athletes. It's not about the people and all this kind of stuff, which I kind of look at that just like, really, dude? They've, got, they've allowed them to walk away with bags of money. They've given them mobility. You know, the, the, their ability to enforce this, and I'm wondering, does, you know, Tess Walker try to fight this out in the courts? Because I have a feeling the courts won't side with the NCAA with anybody if people have the resources or institutions are willing to back somebody. But nonetheless... I do like the idea of limiting the amount of transfers. I've said that many times before on this podcast. And if this does stick, maybe we can get a little stability there instead of, you know, cut away from, you know, uh, a free agency that's even better than the pros have. And that there should be, you know, some, there should, there's going to be some penalties for jumping around too much. Like this guy who's, Played at four different schools. It shouldn't be that way. I mean, without having to make make you sit out and wait a bit. I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, you're letting people play till they're forty, basically at this point. But you know, the idea that teams can reload by basically saying, "Well, go here." I mean, the Walker thing is kind of interesting because his grandma raised him, and he wanted to be closer to her because now she's kind of uh, not in the best of health, you know, and wanted to be, wanted to see, she want, he wanted her to be able to see him play. Well, that's what he's saying. And so it is kind of gut-wrenching on that respect, and that's why I see, you know, Mac Brown, whether you believe him or not, is kind of harping on, you know, not the NCAA's lack of empathy. Anyway, I had to come down. Okay. The prime effect. We talked a little bit about it last week. It's been on everybody's, you know, mind and the conversations. Can't say enough about what his team did. As we mentioned on last week's podcast, you know, his son, Travis Hunter, you know, all these guys. You know, you've got, what, 80 new players. You come up there and you beat the runner-up. But... And you know I've been on Prime's case a long time with his me first, me the victim, being a hypocrite, and just this downright arrogance. And I felt like him playing the race card, you know, calling out Ed Warder and just everybody, you know, that you, what was it? You know, this is not exactly verbatim, but... You know, you're all threatened by a black man, you know, being able to come in and win. I don't think anybody's threatened. And I feel like, yeah, because you did it at an HBCU, 
We had every right to be skeptical. You hadn't done it on the big stage. It'd be no different than, let's say, Andrew Luck coming in, or basically Harbaugh, right? When Harbaugh was at UC San Diego and then went to Stanford, nobody knew whether or not he was going to be the success. So it's okay. And it has nothing to do with race. And it's pretty shameful for Dion to have this arrogance and put him the race card like I brought out last week. You know, folks like, and giving the Jamel Hills and others a reason to shout out racism when, racism when it's not there. There's nothing wrong with folks having some doubts about a team that was 1-11 last year. You're bringing in a lot of new people and nobody's ever seen you there. Why? Because you were great with the Cowboys and the 49ers, you know, and all your other exploits. We're supposed to take that at face value? Heck, what, how, what, how'd that work for Magic? How'd that work for Ted Williams when he was managing the Senators back in the day? So, and, you know, the, the media who sort of is hopped on his bandwagon, and this might be for access, you know, we're afraid to call him out. I give people like the Whitlocks that, that I agree with everything he had to say on that, but I give these people credit for pointing out you know, this, this messiah complex that Sanders has all of a sudden taken on. And I think it's out of line. But what's not out of line is his team. He came into this week, big matchup with uh, Nebraska tomorrow, ranked 22nd. How about his son, Shadur? His NIL value in one game rose $2.5 million. It's up to 3.8. It's that one game. People are like, yeah, I got to get on this bandwagon. And mind you, this is a program that was 1-11 in, in 2022. So big things going on in Boulder. In spite of what I think of Dion, he's making it happen. So I don't want to sit here and make it sound like I'm poo-pooing on it. I just, I've always had a problem with him and his Messiah complex. Somebody who isn't got the, the Messiah complex is Brian Kelly. Now, he was talking big about his Bayou Bengals, you know, slapping down Florida State, and the Bayou Bengals played like kittens, got bus, I mean, got boat raced in the second half. Now, we've been talking up Florida State for a while. I like to think we were one of the early folks to get on their bandwagon as far as their resurgence. So it's not shocking, but Brian Kelly left. South Bend to go to the Baton Rouge because of the whole recruiting thing. And yes, as many people who, because you know, LSU being the juggernaut that it is, you, know, you have plenty of media personalities like Booger and Ryan Clark, just to name a few, kind of saying one game doesn't make a season. And you're right, they could run the table and this conversation is moot. But we know how tough things are, especially in that conference, they ain't running the table. And so getting knocked off your pedestal in game one probably isn't a good thing because there's probably more L's down the road. The same thing with Dabo, getting dapped by Duke. They were ranked number nine coming into that game. What the hell? Duke? The Blue Devils? Maybe one thing, we were talking about the Cameron Crazies, but, you know, wow. Yeah, I don't even know what to say other than 
you know they have other losses coming, so is Clemson now once an elite move back into where Florida State and the Miamis have, have know the land they know all too well? I used to be good, but now I ain't. Yeah, eh, Pooh getting the win. We'll see what happens on week two for them. Uh, some other notable results. You know, Purdue getting beat by Fresno State. Bulldogs traveling across the country and getting a big win against the Big Ten. And Wyoming also getting the win at Texas Tech. The Mountain West looking good, which makes me wonder about Oregon State and Washington State wanting to retain the ownership of the Pac-12 brand. Like, well, we've said it already a long time ago, and we'll break it down a little bit more in the next episode when we've got more data. But yeah, the whole idea of these schools kind of reorganizing and coming up with a Pacific Conference. How long have we been talking about this? So maybe Oregon State and Wausau are, are on to something. You know, I noticed when the Oregon State, who looked good beating San Jose State going on the road in their first game, the Mountain West commissioner coming on the CBS telecast, kind of being coy as far as what the future looks like. They'd like to absorb that, but I almost feel like there's so many other schools and so many opportunities there to create a pretty decent brand. And we've been saying this now for like two years, even before all these schools walked away. Okay, now I got to pick on Oregon for a minute. You know, what was the point of scheduling a body bag game like that? You wonder if this comes back to haunt them. Putting up 81 points on lowly Portland State, basically calling it a glorified scrimmage, and some people kind of flexing about it. There's nothing to flex. You have no business playing Portland State, beating them down like that. I don't care if the fourth or fifth stringers even got in there. Yeah, right. You know, always cook you know, people, because I live here in Eugene, and you know, I'm not trying to be too harsh here. I'm just calling it like it is. Folks always sort of whining about the Ducks not getting any respect nationally. Well, it's crap like this that builds that perception and kind of almost cements it. I mean, come on, man. Okay. Another interesting point when we talk about the pack. 12 or in its last dance. Apparently, Caleb, my man, he's dead, says he's in no rush to get to the NFL. Gee, I wonder why. When you hear a, te a team like the Cardinals taking to get you, you want no part of the Bidwells. And the fact is, you know, if he doesn't win it this year, he has another crack at duplicating the feat by Archie Griffin. But he's basically put the NFL on notice saying, Hey, don't get too comfortable tanking for me because we'll see how things play out. Although I get the feeling he may be wanting to go to the NFL when SC crashes and burns is what, my, what I'm seeing. But as we say, time will tell. Okay, how about our buddy Kim Mulkey signing a 10-year, $32 million extension? Should be the highest paid coach now in women's division one. Of course, the folks who are Brittany G fans who still will never forgive her for some of her comments were kind of salty about it. But she's put together a super program. 
And as we've been saying for the last year or so about the viability of that sport, and as many of the astute folks on TV yesterday said, you know, the power broker's her. You know, Gino, Don Staley. They're putting people in the seats, getting the ratings. Why not give them the big bag? You know, why should it just go back into the general fund if they're the ones making it happen and allowing, you know, or creating a program that attracts incredible talent? You know, the folks who obviously hopped on the LSU bandwagon as far as wanting to play with an already talented team. So makes sense to me, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're generating it, hell yeah. You know, what's next? Well, we can't wait to see this 23-24 season because I think there's going to be a lot more big money happening if the sliver we saw last year is what's coming. Yeah? Okay, we'll quit you on this one. What the hell is up with Georgia and these speeding cars? Another staffer suspended because he's out speeding around town. I don't know. I... Or are, are there like some nice straightaways in Athens or something like that? But these folks and their love of speed and getting busted. And as I've said many times before, you know, these, you would think, you know, especially it being the South, you know, they're not trying to bust you. So obviously you're putting people in danger and still folks down there associated with that program still are not getting the message. Slow the hell down. Okay, we'll be back with something you should probably know when we return. Okay, we're rocking in the foxhole. Big match going on in Queens with Mr. Medvedev taking the first set 7-6 and he's up 1-0 in set 2. What a shocker that would be if he takes down Mr. Alcaraz. Anyways, this is a real segue in, in, into that part of the world. One of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know are things that happen in the sports world might want to know or care about something like that well, let me like flip this around here since we are talking about tennis you know how about mr shelton outdueling mr tifo in the quarters pretty cool stuff there two americans i thought tifo you know was going to make the deeper run but obviously mr shelton you know youngster at, at that you know, I know Wilbon kind of picked on him for, you know, some of his theatrics, but this was a great match. you really like to see two Americans, as we talked about last week, um, haven't won a final in quite some time. You know, obviously, Mr. Shelton's bid at becoming that ended, you know, as the Joker... Took care of business, 6-3, 6-2, you know, and he's going to be in the final. And obviously, Alcaraz and Medvedev are playing, to, you know, to meet him. So, yeah, it's been a wonderful, you know, 
time in New York. Coco was still alive, which is making people very happy. I mean, I think she's going to have her hands full in the women's final, but you know, what a run it's been. You know, I had a couple of, you know, right, American girls making making their run. And, hey, Coco, as we talked about last week, she hasn't lost. Although Miss Sebalinka might be a bit much for her, but I'm not going to bet against Coco at this point. So this is, you know, great weekend of tennis along with all the football. Should be fun to watch. Okay, let me get back on track here. Speaking of football, I think it's interesting what you know our report says that analysts have calculated that they they think seventy four million folks will bet on the NFL this season, which is you know, roughly one out of four every Americans. That's pretty significant, you know. You know, I've been hearing for years. Oh man, you know, sports in particular, professional football being all woke, nobody cares anymore. If one out of four Americans are going to place a bet on an NFL game at some point this season, I, that's a yeah, whatever. I mean, that's that's a lot, you know. Obviously, it's not, you know, two out of every four, but one out of four is still pretty significant. Think about 74 million people, you know, right? And you know, that that's you know, that's 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 ridiculous. When I, when I sit there and think about it, you know, obviously, as we've been speaking about in this podcast for a while, the proliferation of gambling and, the and how accessible it is. So, yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Okay, talk a little auto racing here. Kyle Larson wins the playoff opener at Darlington, you know, swapping paint at the Black Lady. He's off to... You know, a roaring start. You know, even though Scott Dixon made a valiant run in the end, Alex Pelou wraps up his second Indy title, winning in Portland last week. 15th title for Ganassi Racing. Chip Ganassi definitely lighting his pipe up. F1, Brent's washing repeat. Max winning again. His streak hits double digits. Takes the honors in Italy. You know, it's just the, the, the dominance that this guy has. And it's just not even, right? It'd be one thing if people were nipping on his heels, but they're not. And, yeah, you have said this a million times already. What does F1 do to sort of like level the playing field so it can be interesting again? I mean, this Red Bull dominance, it's, you know, something like I've never seen before, you know, especially, you know, in auto racing. And you think with the technologies and all that kind of stuff, that how Red Bull is so far ahead, it's just really mind-boggling. Okay. Let's see. Let's talk a little golf here real quick. How about the young Americans rallying the win the Walker Cup for the fourth straight time? They were actually trailing, but putting that together. And, you know, it's kind of always good to see our youngsters, which means, you know, that we're going to have another crop of badasses in an already jam-packed, you know, when it comes to star power as far as Americans, unlike in some areas, yeah, they're doing some cool stuff there. Okay, so i got to ask this one. Should people be cranky about 
Brooks Kepka getting a Ryder Cup slot? Well, my quick answer to that is this. You should be more cranky about Justin Thomas, who's been, according to ESP, the most disappointing golfer of the year. Or even Ricky Fowler. Yeah, you know what? He made 23 or 25 cuts, and he made quite a return. But I think Kepka's resume speaks for itself. I mean, get past all the live nonsense. You know, this, this, this is on the international pride level. And when it comes to the Ryder Cup, all that nonsense needs to be put aside. Okay, just simple as that. And yeah, for my money, I'm gonna, I would take Brooks Kepka over, over those two any day of the week. I mean, there's not even anything to debate when it comes to that. Yeah? Wow, I know. Okay, what else do we have here? Let's go back to, to, to betting for a second. I think it's kind of interesting, you know, the latest news coming from UFC. How they're going to turn to what to this app called, I think it's called Prohibit. And this what this does is it... It's, it can track whether or not UFC fighters are bidding on themselves or people, you know, in the sport. Because they're obviously trying to get rid of any hint of impropriety or chicanery going on in that circuit. I think it's kind of interesting that it's come to that. And I think you're going to see this in other sports as well with, you know, the, the tracking. You know, I mean, I still wonder... If you can't get people around you to make these kind of bets. I'm going to have to look more into how this actually works. But nonetheless, one more step to curb gambling. You know, as I was going to mention in the last segment, that the people from Iowa State, they actually you know, took some kind of plea deal so their charges aren't going to be so harsh, but that's kind of resolved. But yeah, we are in a moment now where, at least in this round, but just like doping, you'll always find a way to circumvent it. One step ahead, you know, like in The Wire, man. You know, right? You know, always adjusting to what the, what the man's trying to do as far as keep, you know, putting you in bracelets. You're always trying to stay one step ahead. So let's see what happens next here as the UFC tries to eradicate gambling. Is that all we have? Or is there anything else? Oh, yeah. What about 11,000 people being disqualified from the Mexico, Mexico City Marathon? How do you disqualify 11,000 people? I guess there was all kinds of shenanigans, all kinds of chicanery going on, but you disqualify 11,000 people. Think about that for a second. You know... I don't even know how you keep track of that many of the many you know runners. I can say more, but you know I don't want to get in trouble as far as you know saying that. But yeah, what a what a what a what a fiasco. So they got some things to do as far as you know fixing all the things that are wrong with that competition. All right, we'll be back with the night of diamonds when we return.
right, we'll go back to the foxhole. Well, well, well. Mr. Medvedev is now up 3-0 after taking the first set. Yeah. Sparks are flying. Okay. Man, do I have any good hippie references? As I talked about, uh, you know, fish at dicks and how well that went. Yeah, I don't know if I've got any good hippie refer references for my Dark Star intro. So, let's just get straight to the real Nightfall of Diamonds this week, just because my mind's a little bit mush at the moment. <sighs> another week, another person in MLB getting caught up in the bad behavior narrative. And this one hits close to home, because, you know, Julio Arias, Dodger, did it at a LAFC game, smacking his girl. People caught it on their cell phones. And yeah, I mean, it's one thing. Normally, I try to stay away from these things. But when you do it in public for, for all the world to see, you, you know, <laughs> what do you say? I mean, MLB has to put him on the administrative list. Not good for the Dodgers postseason run, especially now that we know Walker Buehler, who just has made a rehab start, but they're not going to let him pitch on the big stage this year. So, yeah, this could be a major problem because there's plenty of evidence there, and it's just like, really, dude? Really, dude? Yeah. More about this when we get more details. Okay, how about this petition circulating in Nevada to block the A's from using public funds for their new home? I guess it's a pack. The political, political Action Committee called Schools Over Stadiums. I don't know how much traction this is going to get, but once again, this whole move to Vegas not going over as smoothly as the Raiders moved it. And the Raiders move had its issues too, but this one seems to me it's going to be more hiccups, and that usually happens when you do the public into spending public money a couple of times over. You get to the second or third time, people are kind of like, you know, and, you know, there's always a separate thing. That's why the Raiders and the A's couldn't get a home in the East Bay, or new homes, I should say. And when you have all kinds of public services and you're trying to tell people, hey, let's spend public money, it's not an easy sell. You can get away with it maybe once. You know, the second third times, it gets, you know, a little thorny. And I think in, in Vegas, you know, it, it'll happen because there's deep pockets there. But I'm not surprised at all to see resistance, you know, and a lot of resentment as far as this goes. There is no help Mary to keep them in the East Bay because the same problem is there in terms of you know, either Silicon Valley, at the last second, we have to pony up the money because there ain't going to be any public money spent. It's just not going to happen when you've got, you know, dealing with the unhoused, trying to fund schools, mental illness, all sorts of things on the, on, on, on the plates. And this is in a lot of areas right now. And so it's one thing if you're, a, if, if you're like, you know, Nashville or... Salt Lake City, you know, places like, hey, you know what? We'll figure out a way so we can be in the game. 
But these cities who already have things going on and have issues, glaring issues that need to be addressed, yeah, it's not the easiest sell. No surprise, right? Okay. Um, you know, the more and more I think about Otani, you know, obviously he's going to need surgery. I think he should shut it down for 2023. He's already proven his MVP worth and, you know, wowed us with things that we really have never seen before, especially because we weren't around the time of Babe Ruth. And arguably, even Babe Ruth wasn't as hard as this guy was, you know, at different circumstances. So I don't want to take anything away from the King of Crash. You know, I mean, his... His value and his legacy, you know, there's there, there's nothing that can challenge that. But when it comes to actual feats on the field, Otani's on a whole nother level. And that shutting it down to me makes sense because as we talked about last week with the fire cell. I mean, I've, I can look at the standings right now. I don't really need to. But they, they're so far south. Why? What, what would be the point? You know, you're not going to get the 60 home runs at this point. You know, just shut it down and, you know, pray somehow you can make a pitch to keep him there, which is probably not going to happen. And for his sake as well, go get healthy because, you know, the big bag is coming. Don't do anything stupid that's going to jeopardize that. That's just how I see it. Okay. Now, you know I've been talking all kinds of shit about the Yankees, basically shoveling dirt on their corpse. And just as soon as I read them the last rights, what do they do? They win 8 out of 10 to get back over 500 and somehow are still in the playoff picture. How wild is that? As much grief as I've been giving, I had Booty's pink slip already signed. And here they go, making a late run. And who knows, with it only being in the 8th, there's plenty of time. A lot of stranger things have happened in this world, but yeah, the Yankees are still there on the fringe. As much as we talked about the Mariners being, you know, the flavor going into this month, eight days later, we're already saying, have they run out of heroics? Same with the Rangers, because the Astros are on top of the West again. Altuve having, what, five home runs and six at-bats, th three at-bats and, you know, three innings, on one night, so he's on terror. Yeah, I have to wonder, you know, I mean, they swept the Rangers, right? I mean, chasing Mad Max out of the box. The Mariners were like five and five in their last 10. So I don't know, it was a, it was a great story, but as the guy said on TV the other day, you know, once again, Probably the you know the AL pennant probably does run through Houston once again. So yeah 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 yeah. Uh, what else do we have here? You just got a text that threw me off. You know one thing kind of intrigues me: the Twins leading by six. We haven't really been talking about them because you know they're out in Minneapolis and they're playing in the AL Central. I'm wondering, should we be keeping an eye on them? Are they a possible dark horse to make things happen? I don't know. I'll tell you, another team to keep an eye on, even though they got whacked pretty hard by the Dodgers last night. Before that, winners were six in a row, seven out of ten, the Marlins. You know, they've done it in the past twice, 
You know, right? They kind of come out of nowhere. This could be one of those years. You know, I think they are a team to be wary of as we get closer to the end. You have to wonder about the Giants. Now 70 and 70. When I made this outline, they had lost six in a row. Or they toast. Braves and Dodgers both having losing streaks this week. Question is, have they hit the cruise button? Or did they peak too early? I think it's somewhere in between. You know, right? Kind of bummer. You know, when I was talking about speaking of the Dodgers, as I said earlier, you know, Walker Bueller looked good in the rehab start, but you know, I can understand waiting till 2023 to, to wheel him out there. But the whole thing with Julio, I don't know. All right, folks, that's what's going on in the diamond. We'll be back with a beautiful game life when we return. Fox Trading on Foxhole. Episode 174 overall. 0614 for those keeping score. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here. Mr. Medvedev wreaking havoc over Mr. Alcaraz right now as the stars invade Queens. You know, for America's major. Crazy stuff. What a fun that'll be. All right, so what do we have right now? Well, let's go pitch side for some beautiful game life. Interesting article this week that came out. There's going to be plenty of these as we go through the 23-24 season. But it basically asks us the question, is the Saudi League killing soccer's appeal and charm? You know, we've talked about this already a couple of times on A Closer Look. And, no, it's not that, right? I think if you're a fanboy, sure, you get cranky seeing a Benzema, a Neymar, a Mane, and others who jump to that league. And that was a big deal in Paris, you know, because Varadhi's not there and blah, blah, blah. It's just like... But it's all fanboys who are crying. As I said weeks ago, the amount of young talents that are emerging and the amount of money, what was that, 74, I forget, what was that, 74 billion or something crazy like that was spit in this transfer window? Let's see if I can't find that number here real quick. Okay, it's like 7.4 billion basically on the international transfer spin. So there are people moving all over the place. I think, you know, for the fanboys that grew up in this generation, you know, I forgot CR7. Actually, I should have mentioned him, you know, playing over there as well. Sure, it's a jolt. But these guys were going to walk away at some point. Now the fact that some of them are spending their last years of their career. But when it comes to fanboys... 
Right, you're never going to convince them anyhow, right? And 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 the and the Euro snobs and that hey, if it's not been, if it's not being done in Europe, then you know it's it it, it's, it didn't happen. It's kind of funny. I mean, I I don't know. I get it on on, on one level, just because the Saudi League. Isn't you know? How shall I say? Box office yet? Which kind of segues in my next point about Neymar and Messi needing to shut the hell up. Both have kind of come out whining about their time in Paris. I mean, shut the hell up, both of you. You guys both got paid well. You know, Messi was kind of treated a little bit harshly. You know, given how great he is. But dude, you came here to help us win UCL, and you didn't deliver. And I've spoken about Neymar extensively, you know, with all of his issues. I do not condone the ultras going to his house and acting a fool like that. That was out of line. But once again, you made a lot of money. Now, I get, you know, and he came out saying that he thinks the Saudi League might be as good as the French League, League One, which is, you know, take with a grain of salt, because as we've said before, why he gets an extra half a mil for whatever, I don't know how much it is, I forget, but every time he says something nice about the country, so saying something nice about the league probably counts. Of course he's going to say that. I mean, he's not maybe that far off, given the talent that this league has quickly amassed. And, you know, given, you know, how top-heavy League One is, and it doesn't, you know, with League One not having the big TV global contract, where the money can be spread around. So I'm not going to say he's that far off because I've been watching a little bit of the Saudi League you know, and Fox Sports Deportes. Still don't think it's as good as League One quite yet, but it will be. I mean, it'll be as good as most of the leagues in Europe if this current trend continues. And there's no reason for it not to, given the amount of money that's endless that they can spend to acquire talent. And they're going to start attracting younger stars it's just a matter of time like everything else they're just getting started back to Neymar and Messi and their whining be happy where you're at I mean right the whole Messi thing you know it's a it's it's like the messiah as far as what he's done with MLS time will tell what Neymar's impact in Saudi is but focus on that you can complain all you want and, and try to take shots at, at PSG, but both of you did not fucking deliver. I'm sorry. This is not even me being a fan of PSG. I am stating facts. And so sitting there trying to make backhanded comments, I think it's kind of out of line. And just focus on the happy situations that both of you are part of, especially you, Messi, with what you're doing over here in the United States. Okay, let me get off of that rant. How about Messi and his boys just body in LAFC? What a statement that was. Once again, another team that I like. And believe me, I'm still angry about it. And I haven't been, you know, in my right mind all week about it. But, you know, I'm here to say. I was very skeptical about what Inter could do. Inter has made me and quite a few other people eat a lot of crow. And yeah, the, the international break, Messi, who scored a fantastic Alonso to get 
Argentina past Brazil. I don't know why teams haven't figured out when it comes to him on these free kicks, but nonetheless, what he's doing for MLS, what he's doing for that team, absolutely wonderful. I think the champs have to go look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what they need to do in case they meet up again in the finals. But I don't think this is the same team that won the MLS Cup last year. I don't think I know. What's the difference? The matching with Kristen Bell. Having someone like him on that team gave LAFC the edge for them to break through. They don't have that right now. You saw it in CONCACAF, you saw the League's Cup, and you saw it particularly in this match, which was a big stage. All the stars came out. Too bad Julio had to ruin it by using his lady as a punching bag, you know, putting an ugly stain on that. More about that later. But yeah, it you know, it was a showcase moment for the MLS, and it, another, I don't know, instance of showing the world what this league can truly bring. Because, you know, in spite of Inter's dominance, which I didn't dominate that much, I think LAFC squandered a lot of chances. Hi, Dennis Bawanga. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Anyways, enough about that. Speaking of LAFC, how about Steve, Tr Steve C. Dolo and his rant about the international break and playing on turf? Does he have a point? Yes, he does on both cases. The international break, yes, MLS needs to be aligned with the rest of the world so you don't have situations where you are losing key players and still keeping the schedule on. No problems there. I think when you see Real Madrid's retractable pitch, retractable pitch, man, is that pretty badass. I've been sending some videos out to folks. You know, the whole turf conversation. It can be done, you know, with this with, with technology. I knew this was coming. I mean, I don't know if the teams at MLS have quite got that kind of scratch yet. But as time moves on, that technology is there. Right? You know how they have this whole complex underneath with all these, you know, lights and all that kind of stuff. And there's basically a artificial surface underneath it. So you can have concerts and all that kind of stuff. And then you got to go check out the videos. I think he's got a point in terms of the technologies there. Why play on turf if you can play on grass? Right? The players all seem to want that and speak, you know, pretty vociferously about it. So we're moving in that direction. It may not happen next week or next month, but as we're seeing with the Spurs and now Real Madrid, you know, the new Santiago Bernabeu, it's it's there. Just a matter of now, can these teams in the MLS, particularly here in the Northwest, will they be able to afford it? I think so. Great times we're living in, right? Okay. What else is going on? Sergio Ramos, going to Sevilla, waterfalls all over the region. Good that he gets to go back home, take a victory lap. You know, at least he had he had some offhanded comments to say about his stay in Paris, but at least he kept it in perspective. And I don't have a problem with him as I do with Neymar and Messi. You know, 
I think this is just a good story. And so, you know, yeah, great for the folks at Sevilla and great for him being able to take one last victory lap. Back to the whole transfer window. I think it's kind of interesting, you know, some of the people that like to harp on PSG and Manchester City. Well, this ESPN FC coming out and talking about Manchester United is actually the biggest losers. They've, you know, in terms of they've lost a net of a billion dollars in 2014. They based this on not being able to get good value on some of the people they've acquired in this trans these transfer windows. Guys like Pogba and others basically not getting anything in return. That that's really turned out to be basically they've lost a billion dollars. It's just no wonder the Glazers are so disliked over there. You know, it is the international break. I mentioned about Messi and his wonderful Galazzo that got Argentina past Ecuador. And Mbappe looked good as France beat Ireland. More big matches over the weekend. We have a full slate of MLS. Look at the power rankings in the MLS before we get out of here. FC Cincinnati at the top. The Crew 96-2. Philadelphia Union 3. Nashville City 3. And St. Louis City at five. One Western Conference team in the top five right now, and they are at five. LAFC is at six. And as Dion says, when it comes to inner, we're coming, but they're still got a lot of work to do. We'll see what happens this weekend as they have matches without Messi, who, as we said, is on international duty. Okay, we will be back with the NBA beat when we return. Fox Dragon in the Foxhole, episode 174. Make of the donuts on a Friday night. Yeah. This man, Mr. Medvedev, is rolling. Everyone thinking it was going to be a Joker Alcaraz final might be in for a shock. Oh, well, time will tell. Okay, let's talk some NBA. Let's talk some NBA beat. Yeah. Team USA. You know, last time we were here in episode 73, we were talking about how they stumbled against Lithuania. They bounced back by throwing Spain, faced Germany early this morning, and look what happens. Germany, behind Jenna Schroeder and others, get the W. And the USA will have to settle for a bronze at best. Where are the recriminations at? Do we look at Steve Kerr? Do we look at the bigs who did not participate? Do we get redemption in the Olympics? These are all questions that are going to happen over the next couple of weeks, and we'll definitely be talking about it. The world's caught up, just like we talked about the Women's World Cup, and especially in basketball with you know, the international flavor of the NBA. If 
you don't have Katie, Curry, and all these guys out there, this stuff could happen. And so it's not that much of a shock. Although Mr. Alcaraz over here telling me, hey, it's 4-1. Don't write me off yet, Ken. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you kind of saw this coming. I mean, and I don't want to be too harsh on Kerr. This is his first shot at this. You know, obviously his resume speaks for itself. And this is just more or less, you know, some of the more experienced folks who play in the NBA for these other teams. And, you know, they went in this competition without having a legitimate big guy. You saw it against Lithuania. And, yeah, you know, this is just one of those moments where I guess you can look over at Noah Lyles and talk about the world championships when we talk about the NBA champion. Come on, stop it. If we bring our A team, we're going to win most of these competitions. Straight up. But we didn't. And you can't blame these guys. You know, maybe they save it for the Olympics. Maybe they don't. They've got bigger stages to play on. It is what it is. You know, great experience for the guys that played. You have to wonder about some of the rotations and roster selections. It is what it is. How about Luca getting bounced, making folks wonder about him? Dylan Brooks. Still just a wild card. He gets bounced. What was that crap with him waiting for his teammates with boxing gloves on? Still says he's the best perimeter defender of the world. I don't know what kind of Indo he's smoking, but he should share it with the rest of the stoners because they like to be that high as well. I mean, really, bro? Ugh. Okay, then they were, speaking of Luca, you know, he's slated to make what, 35, 40 million this year. But people are talking, and his next contract, he may be worth 80, which is a wowzers because he is kind of a head case. Unlike Joker, who's actually delivered something, he hasn't quite delivered that. But yet, he's poised to make 80 million, and I'm sure Mr. Cuban will pay whatever it takes to keep him in a Mavs uniform, but it's just. Yeah, the economics of all of these things are just making my head and everybody else who pays attention to these things spin round and round and round. <sighs> okay, so let's ask ourselves a question this week. You know, the L.A. story. You know, I usually start with the Lakers, but we'll start with the Clippers. And the question would be, would they be making a huge mistake to go for Mr. Harden? You know, yeah, I think they would be. First of all, I will say this. There is that stat that I saw today, which made me laugh. That, you know, this is, this is you know, getting our girl T. Swizzle in the mix because she's everywhere. How she has played twice the number of concerts in 2023 that Kawhi and PG played together in the 22-23 season. So there is that, given what Russ did with them and adding Harden, to sort of supplement these guys not being there. But my take on it is this guy has been the wrecking ball, you know, even bigger than that one that took out the polo grounds in Ebbets Field way back in the early 60s. Why would you bring this guy? You know it's not going to end well. 
Now, the devil's advocate, devil's advocate, devil's advocate in me says, well, they were able to resurrect Russ, and arguably when Russ on the Clippers was very serviceable and very dangerous, and the same thing could possibly happen here. But the one thing about Russ, Russ is just out of control as far as what he does on the, on, on the court with his turnovers and his, you know, laying bricks. He's not the franchise wrecker and the malcontent that this guy is. That just, you know, who will flat out quit on you or care more about being in the strip club getting those lemon pepper wings than he does in the basketball court. You saw what he did in Houston where he just showed up in camp, you know, bigger than the Michelin man. You know, I ain't the biggest Clippers fan, so... You know, I, I'm, I'm going to tour it because, yeah, go there and wreck the Clippers. But then again, what happened with Russ, it does scare me that, yeah, he'd go to the Clippers and actually give a shit. But if I'm the Clippers and I'm Ty Lue, you want no part of this cancer. That's just me. Okay, the other L.A. story, the Lakers getting Christian Wood on a pretty good deal. Man, Rob Palenka hitting home runs all over the place. And this is a big move because, you know, the Lakers from the Western Conference Final, some people skeptical or not, but arguably this puts them in a position with the Suns and the Nuggets. Great front court and all the other additions. Not having to focus so much on LeBron. AD gets to move over a bit and doesn't have to, like, the, the whole shoulders are not... As far as down in the paint are not on him anymore. This is really good, Mr. Palenka. And look out for the Lakers if they can be healthy. And now that they have time to gel, unlike last year when it was assembled hastily. So props there. Okay. Question. So we look at teams that are on the cusp. Look at each and then each conference. So Who's going to make the bigger leap forward in terms of teams on the cusp? The Kings in the Western Conference or the Cavaliers? Right? Both teams, very promising, but not quite there yet. Do you think either one of them makes that next step forward, becomes a legitimate threat to win their conference? I would say the Cavaliers more than the Kings just because of how deep the West is. I think the Kings might step back I think the Cavaliers actually take a step forward. How about that one? Speaking of, you know, the Cavs and, you know, Rich Paul, who's obviously LeBron speaking, you know, or LeBron's voice box, we should say. Does he have a point when it comes to LeBron in terms of Jordan didn't have to face the scrutiny and the pressures of everybody coming after him? Sure, he's got a legitimate point. Doesn't mean that, you know, we should have incredible empathy. It's just a different era. We didn't have social media. The 24-7 sports, you know, news cycle wasn't what it is now when Jordan played. You know, things have just, you know, expanded on such a grand scale. Yeah, you know, there was something to be said about... Jordan not having to face the microscopic scrutiny that LeBron has faced. Doesn't make it, you know, 
any, uh, I don't know, it doesn't change the argument in terms of Jordan being the GOAT and LeBron not being, you know, right? I think Jordan's resume speaks for itself. And yes, it would be interesting to see how Jordan would have handled all of the scrutiny, but he's such an assassin, which LeBron isn't, I don't think it would have mattered, you know, because you can't tell me Jordan wouldn't be a badass in this or any other era, right, in his prime. That's just me. Okay. Speaking of, you know, in the same vein, people feel Curry's kind of undervalued, right? Because he kind of felt his first championship was kind of a fluke. They said you needed KD. And really, folks were just not that impressed when they beat the Celtics. You know, right? Because some folks do get upset when you put him in the top 10 or top 5. You know, you know the stuff that he said recently, you can't argue that he has altered the game in terms of perimeter shooting. Although I think the rules changes have, have, have helped that. He's a great, and he probably is undervalued. I just don't know where you put him at this point. I mean, I think certain circumstances, for me, you know, he's not in my pantheon quite yet. He's like one of, you know, there's a great number of folks, Katie's one of them, who were in the lobby. And, you know, there's still time to change that narrative. Um, you know, I, right, people say, well, hey, Magic wasn't a great defender. Curry's not a great defender. Yeah, you know, whatever the case may be, I give him his props. But I think when it comes to somebody who doesn't get enough props is Kareem. When I think about Kareem, how dominant he was, is people forget what a badass he was the early part of his career when he played for the Bucks. And then his late surge, right, you know, arguably even more heroic than LeBron as far as getting the Lakers, helping the Lakers be win titles in 85, 87, and 88. You know, yeah, I, I, I think that, forget about Curry being undervalued, I think for me it's, it's more about Kareem. You disagree? Or have a take that we should hear about? F-T-I-N-F, F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. little WNBA talk. How about B-2 dropping 40? Breaking the league record, you know? Liberty continues to rise. Sabrina I, our girl, go Ducks, breaking the three, the, the season three-point record. On the edge with the with uh, as far as the aces go, I I knew I was wondering at the beginning of the year. The more I see, I think the aces are their title could be in jeopardy because the liberty, as Dion says, we're coming and we're not coming. We day. I mean, they're atop the power rankings, and I think they are poised to unseat the aces. All right, we'll be back with a closer look when we return. Right then, welcome back to the foxhole. Got ourselves an adult beverage. Mr. Alcarez is trying to put a 
frantic rally in in the third set, 5-3. Exciting stuff going on in Queens right now. All right, time to editorialize, opinionate, talk a little trash, peer deeper into things, a closer look. Where shall we start this week? Well, you know, I've been trying to watch the revamped morning shows because now that we've added faces or familiar faces have, have swapped networks in the reshuffling of the deck. But now that we see Keyshawn on FS1 being part of Undisputed 2.0, he made an interesting point when we were talking. He was talking. They were talking about Dak Prescott, and he's take with our fixation on money, and it made me wonder. As far as one of my points for this week, do we let that cloud our perspective on on performance? And, you know, I get him being an athlete and everybody, how jocks behind the microphone are protective of their brethren and it's a fraternity and, you know, uh, or, or, or sisterhood of athletes. You know, I have to say, though, I don't think so. When you get the big bag, especially as I talked about earlier, with, you know, whether you're there or paying you know, cable, satellite, or streaming, it ain't cheap. And you see the kind of money they're making compared to the average show. Not like the good old days where that it wasn't that disproportionate. So yeah, I think that does bring more scrutiny that if you get the big bag, people expect you to deliver. You know what? Because you're an entertainer, you shouldn't get scrutiny when... You play the game to win, as the legendary Edwards always says. And so if you're going to get paid, people want to see results. Not really rocket science. And, you know, there's some big contracts that we'll talk about in the next segment. Hey, you know, and Mahomes said all that money. You know, there was a little scrutiny, but he's delivered. He's been to three Super Bowls. Won two of them. Sure, there is the Brady model where he took less in order to win more rings. And, you know, his outside interests allowed him to get paid. So, obviously, he's never going to be starving. But he's more of an outlier. But he also factors in there saying, hey, I took less and I delivered. Or some of these other guys. You know, when I, saw, I see, like, Deshaun Watson talking about, yeah, I feel different, you know. But, you know, you know, he signed that big contract and he feels like, hey, man, you can't, you, you can't be so scrutiny. You can't, you can't put so much scrutiny on me. And I'm like, yeah, we can. If you're going to make the big bag, you've got to bring it home. Simple as that. Or be, at least be knocking on the door. And I think in the case of, like, Dak, where, you know, the Cowboys, it's been a long time for America's team. Right, you know, they haven't been to the Super Bowl since the mid-90s. And I feel that as much hype that comes with that franchise and the money that he's making, and you leave the league in interceptions, of course we're going to come at you. Right? I mean, hey, you know, and people say, hey, you know, you know, Keyshawn, like, you know, all fixation with money. 
you've got the money, so you can insulate yourself. Unplug your social media, you know, put your, you know, beats on and, you know, listen to a little bit of trick dating and forget about it, right? So it's, no, I don't want to hear this, like, what we fixate on it. Um, because you're getting the bag to deliver, so there's no, no, no reason to sort of come at folks a little bit and say, well, you know, you're making all this money. Where are the results? This is, you know, this is a results industry. We base everything on getting the jewelry. And if you're going to get the bag, why not come, come down on folks if they don't bring it home? Not rocket science. I mean, okay, Keisha, I get you got to, you know, you're with your bros and all that kind of stuff. But hey, don't tell us about coming up, down on these folks too hard. That's just my 37 cents on it. Okay, my other point. Ultras and super fans. Talk about League One earlier, League One. PSG and Leon played, PSG won. Thing is, Leon players happen to be chastised by the ultras like they are children. And I sit there and wonder, you know, once again, the whole money and what you pay and what they're making. I get it to a point, but these ultras have gotten so full of themselves, you have to wonder at some point, do they have a little too much juice, you know, that they don't really deserve? Talked about the whole thing with Messi and Neymar and some of the shenanigans. You know, these guys showed up at Neymar's house, basically saying, hey, get the hell out of our club. And I think that's going a bit far. I think what you saw in Lyon is going too far. I think these guys clashing and getting in these violent brawls and stuff like that that we've seen like over at MLS with the Galaxy and LAFC's Ultras, it's utterly ridiculous. And you have to wonder about these Ultras and super fans. You know, how do you corral them and, you know, what you consider is crossing the line here, right? I mean, I don't know. Go look at what I'm talking about on YouTube when it comes to that crap from Leon. I'm like looking at these guys. I'm like, oh, you guys make too much money to have some blowhard sitting there calling you out. Now, granted, I don't blame them for being pissed off because, you know, you can't. I mean, they have glory as far as, you know, what they've been able to accomplish in French football before Paris came along. So I get the pride factor in terms of, you know, you're wearing the shirt. You can't come, you can't expect us to sit here and take it lying down, having Paris boat race you in, in your house. I get that sort of thing, but sort of like lecture these guys like they're children, they're, they're professionals. You know, you don't think they're not cranky about getting their ass kicked by a PSG or any of these situations? And I mean, showing up at somebody's house and calling them out, you know, there was a one point when PSG got eliminated from Champions League. These ultras were like keyed all the players' cars and broke antennas. I mean, all that kind of childish stuff. There's like no repercussions or, you know, I don't mind a display like when you're cranky with the club and you decide to celebrate 
the championship outside of the stadium while the teams. I mean, stuff like that doesn't bother me. I just think it's stuff where you sort of overstate your importance. You know, you're just fans. And, you know, if it's right, if they're not getting it done, then don't go. But to sit here and act like you have this godlike complex, you know, the same thing with super fans as well. That gets a little bit crazy as well. It makes me think about, you know, the, the U part two, that guy, Norman Shapiro, and, just, you know, getting, you know, trying to call out, you know, the 80 for why Miami was stinking. It's just like, dude, you're just a fan, you know. When you get to be an expert and start picking talent, then maybe you might have you might have you might have a bone to pick, but you know you're just like with all these other wannabe GMs who play you know FIFA and think you know everything. All right, <laughs> that's my rant for a closer look. We'll get to the NFL report and TMCA time and get you all out of here. Wrapping up episode 174. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cruising down the express lane. Time for a little NFL report. Where shall I start? Because, you know, the NFL started last night. I thought it was kind of interesting. Bill Cower coming out and saying he still gets calls about teams inquiring his availability to coach. And I think, dude's been away for like a decade and a half now. Don't you think the game's kind of passed him by? Yeah, I know as an analyst, he might have some insights that he's got time analyzing all of these teams. But come on, man. Why would you really bring him back? Because we've seen in the past, it usually doesn't work. And who the hell would actually listen to him? I just think it's funny, you know, and I believe him because I think, you know, the desperation out there, like, hey, he's got winning pedigree. Maybe he can help us out. But I'm just, like, thinking, move on. There's other people out there who are part of things that are happening now, as we've seen with all of the great coaches coming out of the coaching trees that are spawning the seeds. That Why would you go with a retread as far as Cower goes? Okay. The Lions power past the Chiefs in the second half to take the season opener, 21-20. A lot to unpack here. The you know, give the Lions credit. They made the plays that mattered when it mattered. The Chiefs didn't. All those drop passes, and that game was there on a platter for the Chiefs to, like, get a win, you know, granted, no Kelsey. You know, don't have our man on defense either. So built-in excuses there. It's not really indication either way, although I think the Lions are 8-2 and two to finish last year, continuing where they left off. There's a, a, a division that I don't think is that stronger remains to be seen. Yeah, you have to take them serious. Chiefs hitting the panic button? No. 
But you got to think that receiving core has to be better. And being right, that, that, that the pick six, that's not on Mahomes. Homie, knock the ball down if you're not going to catch it. And all of those drops, Andy Reid, his game management at the end, you know, I'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, you know, glad the NFL is back. Looks like the Lions are here. If you're the Chiefs, you're not hitting the panic button. But that's definitely a game at home. When you're getting your rings, you should have been able to put away. Oh, look at Cindy Crawford even getting in the love at the U.S. Open. And yes, Alcaraz did take the third set, 6-3. So it's on, folks. 2-1 as we're into the fourth set with Medvedev up 1-0. Just so you have a little time stamp as far as what I'm doing this all. Okay, let's break it. Let's go to the bank. We're in the money. We're in the money. Mr. Nick Bosa signing a $175, $175 million extension, $122 million guaranteed. So the Niners are breathing a lot easier right now as, the, as their hopes to finally get back to the promised land got a lot stronger with him being available in week one. Mr. Burrow has his situation finally resolved. He becomes the highest paid player ever as he signs a five-year, $275 million extension with $219 million guaranteed. It had to happen. Why it took so long, it's the Browns we're talking about, right? They're notorious cheapskates. But hey, they opened the wall because they know that the success that they've had, it's been good for their bottom line and their visibility. As far as being able to retain the other pieces around them, it'll be kind of interesting. But hey, you've got Joey Cool locked up. Hopefully, you know, they can find enough cheddar to make sure he stays protected because, you know, the offensive line is always going to be a question there. But get rid of the ball quicker. But yeah, you can't argue with the Bengals finally getting it done. And that's just one thing they don't have to worry about because, as we always say, it's all about having the dude, and he's one of the dudes. This whole situation with Chandler Jones and the Raiders, just another adventure of the black hole, right? You know, yeah, their valuation is up because they're in Vegas and they've got a stadium, but it's still a second-class organization, just a hallmark of dysfunction. This is another example. You know, the stories coming out there. Yeah, it, it just doesn't look good. I know Chandler Jones has had his issues with mental illness. It can be a loose cannon. But somehow, I believe him in this case, knowing what I know about the Raiders and what they've always sort of been, especially, you know, in the years, you know, after John Madden and Tom Flores. Yeah, okay. I don't know about the Sean Payton character. You know, I get it, you inherited Russ, but man, you treat Russ like he's a like, like he's, you know, out in the field of the plantation, telling him to stop kissing the babies and all this kind of stuff. There's no need for that, man. You're kind of showing me that you're a true douchebag. Maybe I even look back at Bounty Gate and some of the other tawdry things that yeah, you took the hit for, but somehow got absolved for with the Saints. But you're really coming across as a jerk to me. 
And especially, okay, Russ is, is you know, the football's version of Howdy Doody and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he's been nothing but exemplary citizen on the film. I don't think he deserves some of the criticism, especially given how dysfunctional things were with Nathaniel Hackett. I think, you know, if he doesn't get it done on the film, you move, you move on from him somehow, right? You know, these things can happen. You know, if you're smart like the 49ers, you can get past these sort of things. You don't have to sit here and continually insult the man. Okay, how about D-Hop keeping receipts on all those who passed on him in, F in free agency, valid or not? Gosh, I'm always on the fence. It's somewhere in between on this one, too. I get where he's coming from, but on the other hand, when it comes to these receivers, and Justin Jefferson is going to find this out as well, it's important as you guys think you are. It's all about who's giving you the ball. And given what you, what you were making down there in Arizona, I can see teams taking a flyer. You landed in a good spot. You know, and hey, he's he's a hell of a talent. You know, he's one of the top receivers or has been in the past. And all I can say there is, okay, you've got the receipts. Well, show us on the field this year in terms of whether this is valid or not. Okay. Now, I was talking about Keyshawn, his undisputed colleague on 2.0, Dick Sherman, do we believe his take about how he's not really bitter about the Seahawks meltdown in the Super Bowl, which he had this week when Skip asked him about it? Kind of soft pedal that, kind of going back to the interception that your aforementioned Russell Wilson. I, for one, not buying this. You know, I just think you took the high road, which I can't blame you for doing. You know, as a smart, after all, it's all in the past. Why, you know, why reignite that that flame at this point? You know, I, it's over and done with. There are no do-overs. It is what it is. So props to him for, you know, being classy about it. Okay. And do we believe him again? Part two. Stafford says there's no issue with his teammates. You know what? In this case, I kind of believe him. You know, I think, you know, Kelly coming out and admitting it was a mistake. I think McVeigh, the smart guy, he got out in front of it and nipped it all in the bud. I don't think it is. It's going to be a matter of can the Rams get back to where they were. I think that's going to be more the issue in that locker room. If they struggle, folks are going to start looking around and be like, going. I don't know, Mr. Ben looks kind of good because, you know, Mr. Stafford is long on the tooth. And we know that there's gonna there's issues with Cooper Cuff possibly going to the IR and still not ready to play at all this year. So I think those issues are going to come more to the forefront than this whole idea about Kelly's comments, you know, via what he said about his teammates being more infatuated with social media than the team culture. That's just me. Okay. Then we have the Commanders. Still, the name controversy not going away. Well, after Jason Wright, as we talked about last week, 
Now one of the co-owners doubles down and basically says, we are not going back to the Redskins. And lo and behold, these wackos in that fan base on social media still not letting go, even though they're like, well, Jason Wright is going to get fired. One of the owners comes out and says it. All these people keep saying it, and these people still do not want to let go. I mean, right, it's one of the more psychotic fan bases in all of NFL. And at some point, you would think these people would, let, would, would want to let go. But no, they just sit there in their little echo chambers and on social media, Facebook and Twitter, and scream and yell, that's how it's Redskins to be. You people canceling culture. Now, a quick sidebar about this. I Even though... As you know, I, I like the Commander's branding. I know why you had to get away from the Redskins. But for these people who are delusional, it's really hard when you see the beginning of the NFL season and the Chiefs and the kickoff doing the tomahawk chant and saying, we had to get rid of our nickname because... So somehow, Goodell, you need to step in and put an end to that, right? Just because, you know, I have no problems with what Snyder did or had to do because of sponsors and other types of pressures getting away from the Redskins name. But in order to shut these wackos up, because this is one of the things they hold on to, and it is a very valid point, you know, if we're getting away from, you know, offensive chance, iconography, you know, all that kind of stuff, that has to go. Simple as that. Okay. You know, I was like thinking, speaking of the Raiders, and I, got, I got a chance to watch the John Madden documentary again. They did, you know, all Madden. And just thinking about, you know, this NFL versus the NFL that John Madden, you know, was, you know, such an integral part of. And how much that that he's missed, right? You, you, I mean, his footprint, whether it's the video game, whether it's the great Raider teams, and you know what that that contributed to the league's legacy. Obviously, you know his work with Tom, you know, with um, you know Pat Summerall, and later Al Michaels. Yeah, you know, I just think about how much now that he's gone how much he has really missed. And when I was watching that documentary, you know, I almost felt myself choked up about it, right? Because I grew up watching those great teams in the 70s. And obviously, you know, being an NFC fan and when, you know, watching him and Pat Summerall, you know, become institutions, that how much those guys are missed and how, you know, when I like watch Aikman and Buck and just think, you know, or watch Nance and... Tony Romo, he's good man. This is so second rate compared to what those guys brought to the table. Yeah, just bring an homage to the man. All right, TMCA time. Let's break out the stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties where people's deeds in the sports world or just them being themselves deserve it. You know, complimentary, regular, and XL sizes. I'm going to start out with Prime. For just being a diva, I mean, he's like A.B., he's going to have to build a whole wing for himself as far as getting these stainless steel bowls. But I think the way he's acted 
from the beginning. It's just he's just been a jerk, stone cold diva, and it's sort of like, okay, man, you're making it happen, and I ain't taking that away from you, but you could sure be a little bit more graceful about it. So you're gonna get XL for me because I thought some of the stuff last week was so uncalled for. Take the high road, kick people's asses, and then maybe you could be as big of a jerk if you end up in the college football playoff and actually do something. Right. The road is far too long ahead for you to be acting like this right now, in my opinion. Okay, I'm going to give an XL to Andy Reid. Going for it on 4th and 25 on your own 30 with three timeouts left? Really? You didn't trust your defense enough to stop the Lions? That you basically just said, okay, after after you know the two penalties in that drive, yeah, I'm gonna give the Chiefs receivers uh, XLs. Those drops, in spite of the Chiefs having their issues last night, a very winnable game, and we're talking, you know, I I I I that was some high school kind of stuff, if not Pop Warner. Performance from those receivers. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to give Mr. Brooks, Mr. Dylan Brooks, three XLs. Getting kicked out of the game and that whole shadow boxing display in the tunnel. Man, like I said in the NBA beat, whatever endo you're smoking, pass it on to the stoners because they'd love to be as high as you are, man. <clears throat> I'm going to give two XLs to Sean Payton. Dude, you need to chill. This tough guy act, okay, you got one ring, so what? You act like you're Vince Lombardi, that you changed the game, and you haven't. You're a good coach. Nobody's arguing that. But I, you know what? Let's see what you do in Denver to, to, to warrant some of this arrogant behavior we're seeing from you. We're going to give two XLs to the Raiders well for being themselves. I think... It speaks for itself when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders. It's probably worth a five strip, but the I'm going to give the folks in the foundry a little bit of a break. It'll only be two. Okay. I'm going to give um, this guy, I said, Dylan Dennis, the guy who's po who posted all those naughty photos of uh, Aaron Paul's girl to try to get into his head for the upcoming fight. Come on, man. Leave the girlfriends out. That's, yeah, that's definitely three XLs. I'm going to give five XLs to Julio, man. You can't, to Julio, your ass. You can't get caught punching your girl in public at an LAFC Inter Miami game. I mean, it's one thing to get, you know, a felony domestic abuse charge hung up on you for what happens at home, but you did this out in public. What is going on between those ears? And just, yeah, terrible, terrible, terrible. And I'm going to give two XLs to the Galaxy fans who tried to use Julio's stupidity as an example of LAFC fans acting up. This has nothing to do with LAFC fans. This has more to do with somebody being an asshole towards this lady, and there's just no reason to go there and commit LAFC fans. It just happened to be an LAFC game, right? LAFC, Inter-Miami with Messi, everybody was there. Come on, folks. Be better. Right. And I'm going to give two XLs to the fossil fuel nut jobs that held up the 
the U.S. You know, Open for forty nine minutes during Coco's match, right? You know, trying to glue themselves to the floor. You know, glue yourself to the doors at Congress and, and force them, you know, to not be able to leave instead of disrupting sporting events, right? You know, I understand your concern for the environment, but come on, man. That, that kind of theatrics always rubs me the wrong way. All right, folks, we've gotten to another end. We were able to get two episodes in in a short window. Hopefully we'll be back here on Friday to wrap up week two, week one of the NFL, the, all the other shenanigans that are going on in the sports world. Enjoy some adult beverages this weekend. Stay safe. Have fun in the sun. We'll see you soon. Peace out.